Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rabot, right here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Dan and Louie. Good morning, everybody. This is Issel and Louie. We appreciate you listening in this morning. And, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Kentucky Tourism, KentuckyTourism.com. Louis, how we doing this morning, buddy? <laughs> Straight to Louis. I'm good, Dan. How are you, bud? I'm okay. Do I still sound like I'm in the cave? You do. Yeah, I don't. Happy cave, Dan. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the best you're going to get. <laughs> well, we are actually uh, working on new equipment that I will be sending to you that will make you sound like you're sitting right across from me. Okay. All right. So Great. All right. All right. I'm looking, looking forward to it. Great. Looking forward to it. Well, the Cats get another big win last night. There you go. Moving moving on up. In your face, 14 and 14, Florida. I'm kidding. Um, here's here's what I'm not going to do. So you and I got into it about the, the, the net and about the quads and all that stuff, right? Yeah. All right. So last night was a quad one win because Florida's in the top 75. And Woo-hoo! It's a game, okay? Woo-hoo! You know what I'm not going to do, Dan? I'm not going to pee on that. I'm not doing it. If I, if, I, if I yelled at you about quads, I'm not going to pee on wins on the road. They beat Florida. They got the job done. I thought it was like a B-minus-ish performance, but they got it done. Where is Dan Issel? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about this team, Louie. I really don't. I mean, they start, the game plan was, oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was perfect. It was yes. awesome. Yes. They, with, without Castleton in there, uh, number a number one shot blocker in the SEC. I think I heard last night he's like three or four in the country in in block shots. They just got the ball going toward the basket. Just the only guy taking jump shots was Oscar. Everybody else was taking it right to the to the rack, and they played great uh, until they were ahead thirty to fifteen. And then it was like, okay, boys, night's over. You know, and. and they they quit playing defense. That the one thing, and I, I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks back. I'm a little concerned about this team's basketball IQ. Mm. Uh, they they don't seem to know who on the court the three point shooters are, who the who the post up player. And I know I know Louie that the coaches go over this in, in the pregame in the shoot around, and and yet. You know, they let guys that can drill the three-pointers just be wide open. I mean, wide open. Um, you know, and, and thankfully, they got some pretty good performances uh, out of Toppin and, and Livingston that, I mean, that, that play that Livingston made, 
when uh, when the uh, three pointer by Wallace uh, missed uh, that and one that was a great great play and both of them have triple uh, excuse me uh, double doubles. Um, I, I, I'm with you. A, a lot of good things, but a lot of real questionable things. I, I'm starting to worry about Kaysen a little bit. Um, you know, he hadn't shot the ball well for a while. His shooting is an issue, for sure. And, and, and Louis, the first two passes he made to Oscar last night, it looked like he thought Oscar was trying to catch the ball with his feet. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got to deliver the ball is, better than that. So I, I'm with you. It was a great win. Give Florida credit. I mean, they didn't cave in without Castleton. They played they played hard and and they played well. Um, but um, yeah, a, a B minus is is as high as I'll go too. Yeah, Texter's even saying it was maybe a C or a D kind of performance last night, and I I won't do that because of what I said to start. It, the quads matter for this stuff for the for the seed lines especially you know we're talking about a Kentucky team that now you know look that game's done now we don't have to talk about the last four games of the season we're talking about three games now yeah and now it's a go two and one or go three and zero oh, that kind of thing that's the conversation now the the biggest conversation is don't stub your toe on Saturday mm, I mean that's well, a, a, yeah a, oh I mean Auburn looked generic last night. And they've looked they've looked generic for right. two or three weeks. I'm with you. It's, it's like Tennessee. Uh, this you know they're going the wrong direction. I agree. And so, you know, last night was to you know phrase on this show a must don't lose. Right? Can't go down there and and, and give away an opportunity at a quad one win, even if it is against you know a team ranked in the 50s or 60s or whatever, or that's 500. I don't I don't care what their overall record is as far as what we're talking about for seed lines for Kentucky right now. If yeah. they're going to try to be, a, instead of being an 8 or 9, right, and they're going to try to go be a 7 and a 6 and have an opportunity to get out of the first weekend, that's the kind of game you cannot lose. Absolutely exactly. cannot lose. And they didn't exactly. do that last night, so they get credit for that. That's essentially where I am. It's very lukewarm sports talk radio there, Avery. I apologize to everyone listening. But um, it's <laughs> they, well, and, and sometimes Louis, you just I, you get the win and you move on, frankly, yeah. and that's what and, it is. And I think we owe our listeners an apology <laughs> because I think I think we both said that Kentucky win would by win seven. by six. And, and it, you said seven? I had seven. Uh, yeah. And, and they won, by, won, eight. By, won I, by eight. We I, were way I apologize we to Kentucky Tourism and KentuckyTourism.com for sponsoring this segment in which we have to admit that I was off on the score by one point, the margin. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm going to I'm going to take I'm going to take the path I've taken all year on this stuff. You know, yeah, the the quad ones and all that. Sure. If it matters, if it matters, good. But I'm still on the eyeball test, and this with the eyeball test, this team's getting better. But there are still some holes that that they have to make up if they want to get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know what's interesting is they now have two guys in Chris Livingston and Antonio Reeves who get better as the game goes along. Hmm. Chris, Chris, I, so you talked about basketball IQ. I actually think Livingston. He, I don't think he was playing enough to develop one at the college level, and now that he's playing more than a half hour, now that he's playing like thirty eight minutes. Instead of like getting pulled after twenty two, and he was playing like four and five minute spurts. You even made the comment early in the season it would have been difficult for you to play for 
someone who subs like Cal does, right? Some some people just can't do that. And I some think, people have to have to get up and down the court four or five times to to get in the flow. Yeah, and I think Livingston's one of those guys, and I think it's considerably more than just four to five times. And it, it, it did he have a great shooting night? Absolutely not. No, he, it, frankly, without Oscar going twelve or thirteen, this game is very different. And him banking sure. in shots and like all kinds of stuff. When he banked in that jumper, I thought that's the kind of shot Florida wants to make tonight to keep this close. Like that's that's not fair. Um, but Chris Livingston at the end of the game, that rebound to seal the game at the end, Dan. That's a, that's an IQ play. No one's boxing me out. I've got a chance to run the baseline with no one looking at me. Which way is that ball gonna you know come off the rim? And he predicted all of those things properly. To me, that yes, showed that yes. showed some acumen at least. And, and when you're talking about freshmen in February, when we're getting ready for the last three games, then conference tournament, then then March, that's a big positive, frankly, for me. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, now you can say the opposite about Casey Wallace right now. It's not going the right direction with him. No. Um, they're not better with him. Sure. You know, I watched the Bama uh, South Carolina game after this one, and it's just so striking to go from two teams in Florida and Kentucky that spread the floor and, you know, there's actually spacing and then South Carolina doesn't know what spacing is. I mean, it's, it's striking. There's like three guys standing in one spot. I'm like, oh, no, God, don't do that. They I, almost win what, anyway. For, for a long time last night, I thought Alabama and North Carolina were in trouble. I was kind of going back and forth between those two games. And for a good long while, South Carolina and Notre Dame were in the lead. And... Uh, so we, we 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 can talk about the the Alabama situation. But, uh, sure, uh, but, but uh, I do think I do think Dan, those games are good examples of Kentucky goes down, they win by eight, great. Because other, t- I mean, Alabama needed overtime to beat South Carolina. Yeah, and they needed uh, some like they needed NBA shots from Brandon Miller to win last night. Wasn't it amazing in that game? Here here's the guy that all the controversy is swirling around. And he has the game of his life so far in college yeah. basketball. And the other kids seem to be, you know, kind of overwhelmed by it. But, uh, uh, you, you know, and, and who knows what now, I guess, Miller's attorney has come out and said he never left the car. Well, what difference does that make if he, <laughs> he took the gun? There's a lot involved now. The the Bama AD has come out and, and done an interview on ESPN about it. And, I mean, it's it's there's a lot involved but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right right i mean i think that's the biggest part of no it, so, it, yeah. it feels it feels terrible right. um you know what what are what are college kids doing with guns in their room right. i mean i just yeah. it just it, it's a bad culture no matter how it comes out oats has oats has had to apologize now about seven times for how how badly he's handled this situation uh, and you know, some some poor lady is dead because of this. Oh, and a child, I mean, and a child just lost its mother. I mean, yeah, no, it, it's terrible. It's, I mean, you yeah, can't. This is something you can't sweep under the rug. And now maybe he keeps, maybe he keeps playing. I, I don't, I don't know. But uh, no, it the whole thing stinks. That's that's for sure. If I had told you Oscar Shibway at Florida was going to go one of three from the free throw line and have four rebounds, what would you have thought the final yeah, score was going to be I, I, with Castleton out? <laughs> and, and you talk about a man enjoying Castleton sitting over on the bench. The last time he played against Florida was the night that Mike's jersey was retired, yes. and I think he was two for 14 that night. Mm. So. Uh, you know, without Castleton, he he was feeling pretty perky. You you hit on something 
<clears throat> that uh, I think is again going to be an issue if it isn't resolved. And and you mentioned it, Lou. You said, uh, you know, the the starting five played the ins- entire second half. I, I I think that what what did Cam tweet out that the starting five played 186 yeah. out of 200 minutes. And again, Kentucky gets absolutely nothing off the bench. I mean. Fierro got a tip in, and uh, and Lance got a bag. That was a big basket he got because Florida was on a thirteen nothing yeah. run. Right. Yeah, but that's it. And these kids, um, you know, and, and anybody who's had a cracked rib knew that Fredericks was going to be out for a while. I don't know what's going on with Wheeler, but just for just, you know, just, just for having somebody over there on the bench that can come in and give you a good 10 minutes, a good 12 minutes. Uh, they need to get those two guys back pretty soon. You know, I was listening to the postgame show last night with uh, the Kentucky Fish Wildlife postgame show with Streetle and Entz last night, and I thought Jason Entz made a, an interesting point, which was what you just talked about, that these guys are playing so much. And, and somehow this season, Kentucky has really avoided foul trouble. And, yeah, and and, yeah. and I don't know if that's a, a a directive from coaches or if it's just how this group happens to play. Um, if that actually speaks to an IQ, I don't know. Um, but it, you know that that is something where when you get to the tournament, if Casey gets two quick fouls or Oscar's out or you know Antonio Reeves isn't able to go or Toppin or whatever, like one of those guys gets a couple quick fouls or whatever, just because you know how it is. You get to the tournament; it's called differently than what you're used to in the SEC. Um, and, and, and the guys have to adjust to that. You know, th- that could be an issue. The other thing with with Kentucky that I, I can't figure out, and Entz made a great point about this last night, was they seem to give up these runs, 13 nothing, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. fairly often for a team that's way over 500, right? And if you do that in the tournament, man, that can be a killer. It can be. Yeah, be I, I mean, 13, and then they came right back <laughs> after they got up by, what, seven or eight. They come right back and give up a nine a nine point run at the end of the first half. Right. Yeah. So, hey, Louie, I want to tell you about my friends at Bear Nose Pizza. There are fourteen area locations in Kentucky, Anna, including the original Bear Nose, Bear Nose at Bowman Field out on Taylorsville Road. Stop in, say hi to our buddy Rob Moody there. Bear Nose has you covered for lunch or dinner, dine in, carry out, or delivery. Yeah, it's that good. Bear Nose Pizza. So uh, we will have a culture item of the day. I feel like you and I haven't had a culture item in a minute. No, um, no, and I, and, and, and I, you know, I don't have access to the text messages, but I'm imagining that people have been clamoring uh, for the <laughs> culture culture item. Well, I haven't had to do it because you and I have gotten way off the, you know, way off the rails all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. I, I am. Um, yeah, I, you know, a texter asking, you know, did did the uh, did Miller provide the gun, and you know, should he be off the team just as an accomplice? Am I wrong? You know, Texas fired Beard for domestic violence. And we're talking about murder. I, I I get it, man. It doesn't it doesn't feel good. None of it feels good. And but the fact that and Diener talked about this essentially the entirety of the nine o'clock hour that usually the defense guys are the ones who don't talk. And in in Drew's opinion, if they're so willing to say this is on camera. Here's the timeline. Here's this. Here's this. You know, the AD comes out and makes a statement to ESPN. If they're willing to do that, he thinks it's more nuanced than just, hey, man, here's a gun, and then the guy turns around and shoots somebody. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. 
It doesn't feel good to me, though. It well, just and, 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 you know, and you get wrapped up in the semantics. The texter said provided the gun. He didn't provide the gun. It wasn't his gun. Uh, from what I understand is he went to Miles' dormitory room, got the gun, and took it to Miles. Uh, so, I mean, let's not get caught up in the semantics. It, it, it just stinks. The whole, the whole thing stinks. Yeah. And as I've said about Louisville's situation with Patino, the guy at the head is in, I mean, you know, you can believe what you want to. Did Rick know this? Did Rick know that? I, I have an opinion that seems to be different than most Louisville fans. But when, when push comes to shove, the head coach is in charge of the basketball program. And if you're in charge of a basketball program and the kids have guns in the dormitory room, then something is not right. You know, and there's, there's I mean, there's actually information out today that the gun was actually in the car under some clothing and he didn't, you know, know it was there and there's a timeline and all this stuff. That's what I'm getting at is that there's, there's a chance that actually – Miller's guilt is considerably less than what you just described. And so that's why it's very convoluted. It doesn't make it feel any better is all I'm saying. It just yeah. it stinks. No, all of it stinks. No. Somebody somebody is dead. A five-year-old little boy is without a mother. And Alabama basketball players have guns. Now, excuse me. I, I said that wrong. And an and, and Alabama basketball player right. has a gun. Right. That, that part of the story cannot be denied. Yeah, I, so I just yeah, it's and we're getting texts on both sides, which I I totally understand. I, I think that there's there is a reasonable approach to both sides of this, um, and I somehow landed in the middle, which this that I don't I wasn't there. I'll have to trust law enforcement, which I reticent to do, especially in college towns. But um, I uh, you know I, it just doesn't feel good. And it, well, and and I, and, I have and, a six year old man. I don't. That, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. No, no, and. But, you know, the law enforcement has come out and said there's nothing we can charge Miller with. Right. So, right. you know, now if there's nothing that that they can charge Miller with, if they kicked him off the team, then Alabama would have a, a, a poor legal position. Right. So it's, you know, it's all, it, 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 as I said, it's just all terrible. Uh, Texter saying, you know, you need uh, Dan should wake up. A, a lot of players in the NCAA have guns. It's an unfortunate world we live in. I, I don't think Dan is is saying that he doesn't understand that. What he's saying is, um, it shouldn't be that way. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I pretty straightforward. No, I, no, no. That's not right. What I'm saying. Okay. Is, sorry. If okay. you if you're if, if you're a a, a scholarship athlete. In college, there's no reason for you to have a gun. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, a hard left turn from that conversation, something I intentionally didn't put on the show sheet, but Oscar goes over 1,000 points last night. Ooh. He has a great game as far as his offensive game. Yep. The only shot he missed was some pirouette jump shot from the baseline. And, and Prime was watching the game with me. I said, oh, he, he's gone nuts now. <laughs> the, 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 he, he couldn't, he could, the one shot he missed, he couldn't make one out of 50 times. But, no, he, he was terrific. Go How ahead, I'm so, No, so he's, he's consensus national player of the year last year. There's no, there's no um, 
There's no debating how great last year was. He's having a very good season this year. His numbers are going to, over two seasons, be what they are at Kentucky. He's an all-time rebounder. He's an all-time you know, you know, know, player in the post. How much, though, is his legacy at Kentucky contingent on how far they go in the tournament this year? Uh, I think that's all of it. Okay. I, I do, too. Uh, I do, too. I don't no, know, and, no, and, and I didn't it, want to say it, that out loud because I, it feels unfair but man, that's how you're measured in college basketball. It's yeah. a tournament. Now, now you know, I, maybe I misspoke a little bit. I mean, he was—he's still the national, national player of the year. National player of the year. That—that's going to be part of his legacy forever. But if you know, he hasn't won an NCAA game yet. Right. Not a championship. Right. A game. And so that, in my mind, now you know you can. You can look at a lot of different ways, you know, outside of the locker room uh, in Rupp Arena, they have a poster of all the guys that have been put in the NBA. And so, you know, maybe some people put more. uh, I don't think Oscar's going to play in the NBA, but uh, some people might, you know, put put more importance on that. Uh, some people, that's why, you know, when when Cal had five guys drafted in the first round, he said, this is the greatest day in Kentucky basketball history. <laughs> no, 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 Cal, it's not. It, it's not. It, it's, you know, there are eight other better days than having five guys drafted in the first round of the ABA. That's, that's why you play the game. You don't play the game at Kentucky or at Louisville or any place. You don't play the game to see how many players you can put in the NBA. Now, that's all. it's all great. I mean, it helps your recruiting for sure. But the reason you play the game is to win championships. All right. Dan Issel, Louis Rebeau, hanging out with you until noon. You get Bobby V after us here on Thursday. And and to stick a little fork in somebody I know, Oscar went past Jimmy Dan Connor last night on the scoring (laughs) list. In your face, Jimmy Dan. In your face. Face, J.D. In your face, Jimmy Dan. Cam Drummond, 1030 from the Herald Leader, and Jay Davis at his usual spot at 11 today. Uh, we'll get to all those uh, as well. Uh, I just wanted to ask you that because, you know, he's he's getting into a spot where, you know, now that it's feeling much more certain that they'll at least be in the tournament, right? And then right now they're playing for seeding and that sort of thing. Um, that, you know, figure out where he fits in, in Kentucky lore, right? Because, you know, we just, you know, we just put, you know, Pratt's number in the in the rafters down in Lexington, and you know, there's there's always these discussions. And when you have a program of the of the caliber of UK, you always have to wonder, hey, unanimous national player of the year is that enough? They don't they don't hang those banners, right? That's not that's not what's getting hung up there, right? And so yeah. it's um it's interesting. Yeah. I I, I mean I I don't want to go ahead, and I I, I don't want to uh, diminish the importance of that. I mean, he had a fabulous fabulous season. But when you go to the NCAA tournament and you get beat by a 15 seed, no, that, that does take a little luster off yeah. of it. Um, texters are starting to text in about Oscar. four three seven nine six eighty UPS Jobs text line. Keep them coming. We've had a good number since the start of the show. Same situation for this texter that Trace Jackson Davis is in. Can he be an all-time Hoosier great without postseason success? I, 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 different players, different scenarios. But, yes, I think, that, I think it's not a bad comparison, Dan. Do you think it's an okay comparison? Yeah. yeah no, I, 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 I do. I mean, you look at – you look at the great Indiana teams. I mean, you look at uh, the the undefeated team with uh, Benson and May and Buckner and Wilkerson. I mean, that 
you know that that that's a pretty good that's a pretty good collection of players right there. I you know I'm, and Trace Jackson is is a great player, but uh, you know he he surely doesn't compare with that group if he if he only wins one or two games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I even think of you know just in some of the recent Indiana teams in the last decade or so, you know when you had Cody Zeller and you had um uh, oh my gosh um oh who's the little guard Dan. I'm totally blanking on this. Um, let me see if I can find it here. I have no clue. I have no clue. Oh, did why, I? I, I don't know. I, I might have just was Buckner with that team, or was Buckner later? I might have put him in the wrong <laughs> in the wrong category. <laughs> You're good, but no, you know, in 16 they win the regular season in the Big Ten, and 13 they win the regular season in the Big Ten. Um, you know, those are those are those are teams where you you look at it and you go, okay. Maybe they only made a Sweet 16, but I feel like even if Oscar at least wins a couple games, gets to that second weekend, the the take on him is going to be more positive than it is right no now. No question. Yeah. yeah. So. No, no, no question. Um, question coming down on the text line for you, Dan. Um, if Oscar can develop more of that shot that we saw last night, can he be a bench guy in the NBA? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah, kind of a guy you stash, right? Because you know he's going to show up. He's not going to yeah. do any of the Miller stuff that's been going on with his teammates yep. and all that, right? He's not... He's just going to play basketball and, you know, it'll, I, I, it'll be boring, but it'll be, yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll yeah. know what you're getting, right? Yep. And, and here's the other thing. He, he, all of those things you just mentioned, but if you're, and I had a guy like this guy named, uh, a guy named Ryan Bowen okay. uh, played at uh, Iowa. Um, and he was like the 56th pick or 57th pick that we took. Um, and not only that, not only does he work hard in practice, not only does he have a great attitude, not complain about playing time, but what I used to do when when the team was kind of in a malaise and, and I'd put Ryan in the game and he would embarrass his teammates by how hard he played. Right. And Oscar would be the same the same thing. I mean you could put you could put Oscar at the end of the bench and and put him in a game and he would embarrass you know if if the players weren't playing hard and he didn't embarrass the other guys by how hard he played so no i think if if he can develop that shot but still uh he's know, just he, not he's not nba athletic he just isn't he, and no and and no. here's the problem that he's going to have that many uh late second rounders or free agents have and that is, Louie, he's going to go into a situation where they probably already have 15 guaranteed contracts. Sure. So not only is he going to prove, have to prove he can play, he, he's going to have to prove that he's worth keeping and, and eating somebody else's contract, which is it, it's just very difficult to do. Uh, Texter's pointing out that I'm trying to think of both Yogi Ferrell and the guy I was really trying to think of was Victor Oladipo. That's who I couldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah Oladipo. Oladipo was awesome in college. I, he was great. I, yeah. yeah, he was yeah, terrific. He terrorized my Spartans. The, yeah. um, <laughs> um, Yogi Ferrell was on those teams. Cody Zeller was on that team. I forgot, too, in that later team, five of those guys got uh, at least got a cup of coffee in the NBA on that 15-16 Indiana team. Not to mm. do a ton of Hoosier talk, but um, it was uh, Yogi Ferrell, Troy Williams, Thomas Bryant, OG Ananobi, and Juwan Morgan all got at least a cup of coffee in the NBA. So, um, yeah, Green had, Green had it going up there. And, and I think, you know, people think of, you know, those guys as time, you know, especially that first team that, that got them away from. I think people forget when Green got there, he had zero scholarship players. And that was before the transfer portal. 
It wasn't like he could just go rebuild that that roster, and he won like six games his first year or whatever, and um, and did a did a heck of a job getting getting dudes in there uh, after leaving Marquette for the job. But, um, but yeah, I think Oscar's got a legitimate opportunity right now going forward to not just cement his legacy at UK, but make it. I mean, really excellent, especially if they can figure out a way to win three, you know, at least second weekend in the tournament this year. Yeah, it, it, it looks to me, looking at the SEC standings, it, it looks to me that if Kentucky can win the next uh, the next two games at home, Auburn and Vanderbilt, yes, even if they lose that last game at Arkansas, they're still uh, in, in that third spot. Right in, the, in because, that the, the top four spots to not have to play early in the SEC it, tournament. Exactly, yep. and you're you're in the third where you have to play. You uh, you know, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But in the semifinals, you would have to play Texas A and M instead of Alabama. That matters. You're right. Yeah, good point. Absolutely, good point. It does. So, yep. so, and that's I another think, quad one opportunity, but against an A and M instead of against an Alabama. No, it's yeah. a good, it's a good point by you. So so I think if they win the next two games. They're in really good shape for the SEC tournament. All right. Well, let's head to break here, Dan, so we can get Cam Drummond in um, at cdrummond97 on Twitter. Uh, Go ahead and follow him there. Lots of high school soccer in his time. I'm I'm kidding, Cam. Uh, We'll get Cam on here. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Do you have your uh, your read ready for our friends at Tourism? Uh, I I stay ready. (laughs) When you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground, this is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your summer getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rabot is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. All right, welcome in 10.30 segment here on a Thursday. Isla and Louie taking you up until noon here on ESPN 680-1057. Your smart speaker, ESPNLouisville.com, the app, your phone, in your car. However you're hanging out with us this morning, we appreciate you doing that. Reminder of some of the programming around here. Um, Louisville women's basketball is going to be playing tonight. Um, they're hosting Miami, 5.30 on network pregame, 6 o'clock with Nick Kern. And uh, um, 8.30-ish, you'll have, uh, you'll have Biscuit and Banna um, for the postgame there. Uh, that is the YMCA postgame show. And, of course, Kentucky will play on Saturday. They're going to host Auburn, hoping to stay hot. And they'll talk about it after the game on the Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show. That's Street Linens, uh around 6 o'clock. They'll take your calls, texts, and hopefully get some sound from John Calipari. That's all here on ESPN 680, 105.7, and on the app. And we bring in a man to whom I owe a thank you publicly. His name is Cam Drummond. Cam, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so last week I was off, and I and I have not really shared much of this on the air. If you follow me on Twitter, it's been a little more public. But in the fall, my wife um, my wife was not feeling great. Um, she went through some health troubles and issues, and um, so if you noticed, I was off for a couple of days in the fall. It was it was to tend to those things. And last week um, was a trip for our for our, our whole family um, because my wife is starting to feel better. And Mike Gandolfo sat in for four days, and Cam drove from Lexington to sit in on Tuesday. And, Cam, I just wanted to express publicly um, my thanks because um, part, of, part of a good marriage is that even you know, when, it's, when, it's, uh, when it's tough, you're there and you're supportive. But when it gets better, you should celebrate in the moment and smell the roses. And so thank you for letting me smell the roses with my family last week. 
No, of course. Absolute pleasure. No, that was beautifully said. Thank you so much. You didn't have to do any of that. And yeah, no, I drive I drive from Lexington to Louisville, you know, any time of day to, to be able to always talk 680 and have some fun with y'all. So uh, more than happy I was able to uh, give you guys a special family memory in the process. Well, there you go. Replacing Ben Roberts is Cam Drummond uh, at Drummond 97 on Twitter. Brought to you by our friends at Martini Italian Bistro in the East End, martinilouisville.com. Check out their lunch specials Tuesday through Friday. they got brunch on the weekend and, of course, a drink special every single day. Um, Cam, they get the win last night, and Dan and I talked about it to open the show. Um, I Dan and I got into it about whether the net matters and those sorts of things. And so I'm not going to poo-poo this. Anytime you can get these quad one wins, I don't care what the team's ranked or who it is. Go get them. It's a good win. Where where do you stand after last night's game? Right, yeah. Like I think there's definitely a good balance that needs to be struck between maybe overreacting and thinking that all of Kentucky's problems are fixed versus being, you know, maybe too critical or too negative of the fact that Kentucky won a basketball game last night that they probably wouldn't have won in December or even mm. in January, right? There's clear progress that has been made to allow Kentucky to get that win at Florida, even though Florida didn't have Colin Castleton. You know, maybe you look at the fact that Kentucky had to play all of its starters the entirety of the second half. I think for the game they played 94.5% of available minutes. So, you know, things like that aren't great to, to beat, you know, a very average Florida team without its clear best player blowing the 15-point lead that you had amassed in the first half. Mm. So there are definitely some red flags, some warning signs, things that you don't want to have happen over the course of a basketball game. Having said that, Kentucky, especially over the course of this season, really isn't much of a position to, you know, you know, want to win with style or, or want to win comfortably. Like, just get the win, I think, has obviously become the, the mantra of the season. Refuse to lose has been the thing that Cal's adopted for this team, you know, going back to his UMass days. And so last night, I think, is just another important kind of stepping stone toward where they want to be when the NCAA tournament rolls around. I mean, the fact we were even able to talk about the fact that the NCAA tournament is now not only a likely but a projected outcome for this Kentucky team. And also, even within, you know, playing a short rotation and relying so much on starters, Kentucky got what they needed from each player in their own individual role last night. Oscar Shibwe going 12 of 13 from the field, I'm sure many listeners know, but I think it was the highest shooting percentage for a Kentucky player who scored 25 points over the last 25 years. Cason Wallace, again, doesn't have a great shooting game, but figures out a way to distribute the ball effectively and be someone that Cal can trust late in games and, you know, having the ball in his hand, aside from the the pretty egregious travel he had late. Mm. Um, Jacob Toppin, again, being an active player with another double-double. Chris Livingston, who's been a complete revelation over the last month or so, he's probably the most impactful player on this team right now in terms of why they've been able to stack some quality wins on top of quality wins. So, yeah, I think there's a line to draw where you say, hey, Kentucky's still not going to make the Final Four or even the Elite Eight, but also this is a game that Kentucky doesn't win several weeks ago. I think you can see that flip being switched and also the fact that this team can kind of see out a rough moment in a game and see out a game in the later stages is obvious signs of progress from where they were earlier in the season. Cam, uh, you mentioned it, uh, the starters playing all the minutes, a very short bench right now. I think you tweeted out last night, the starters played 186 minutes out of a possible 200. Is there any word on when Fredericks uh, and or Wheeler will be back? Good to hear from you, Dan. I, I was going to say real quick, it's kind of funny because I've spent time with you individually and then time with Louie individually as well. I feel like each one of y'all has been stealing me from the other, so it's nice to be back with you all again um, <laughs> as a collective. 
Uh, it was actually 189 out of a possible 200 wow. minutes. So it was, wow. it was even more than, than you'd imagine. Uh, and as far as their status uh, after the game, John Calipari didn't really offer much. Said that neither player has practiced. So Monday, Tuesday, neither Savio Wheeler nor CJ Frederick practiced. Um, when asked by you know Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader, uh, Cal also mentioned that you know he hopes to have them back soon. And he also drew upon a conversation he had with CJ, where CJ mentioned that now he maybe knows a little bit more specifically what his role is going to be whenever he, he is able to return to the lineup only because the guys ahead of him are playing well, you know, not just the Chris Livingston's, but even Aduciero has been able to give some good minutes, you know, in short periods. So no real timetable on when they'll come back, but they haven't practiced with the team yet. I know Xavier Wheeler has been able to complete some individual workouts, um, but it's also something that Kentucky will need, you know, for as much as the winning has begun and continued in their absence, this isn't sustainable. You know, having five guys play 189 out of 200 minutes is not something that is sustainable in the short term and definitely not in the long term when you think about how their bodies might wear down in a shorter, you know, in-between game time span when you think about an SEC tournament or an NCAA tournament. Uh, Cam Drummond with us here. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Martini Italian Beast on martinilouisville.com. Check them out. <clears throat> Dan and I, uh, both uh, proponents of heading out there for lunch. Uh, check out their uh, – is it wedge salad you and I both always get, Dan? Yes. Yeah, the wedge salad. Wedge salad with blue cheese. Oh, the best. The best. Um, we're, Dan mentioned it, you know, and, and you just talked about it, the, the minutes and what that looks like. I think, and, and you mentioned him earlier, Chris Livingston, I think a lot of his development has come from him being able to stay in the game longer. Dan has talked mm-hmm. about earlier in the season, the substitution patterns for Cal would have been difficult for him as a player, you know, because Dan felt like he needed long stretches of a game to really be in the in the – you know, the flow of the game, those sorts of things. I thought the rebound at the end of the game yesterday that sort of sealed up this game with the and one for Chris Livingston showed that he's he was fully in the in the in the flow of the game, knew that no one was boxing him out. He had an opportunity to go get the rebound, shows a good IQ play on that spot. How how good can he get can, can he get better from here, do you think, or are we seeing about the best of Chris Livingston? I think, at least in the isolated moments, like where you mentioned there, where Chris Livingston is being that active hustle player, he's fighting for rebounds, he's being an offensive threat where the opposition has to guard him at all three levels. I think that's the best of Chris Livingston. But I think that becomes more enhanced when he's doing that on a more of a consistent every single game, every single minute basis. I can even think, too, I think it was right before halftime of the Mississippi State game, so it's only a week ago, I think Cal took Livingston out because he had either messed something up on offense or blown a defensive assignment or turned the ball over. I, I can't quite remember. But essentially, and Cal explained it post-game that night, he was like, what am I going to do? Leave you in and, you know, leave the team liable for you to commit another turnover or mess something mm. else up? And even since then, we've seen Chris Livingston come out, you know, obviously back-to-back double-doubles, but really been switched on playing high volume of minutes and playing very well at a high quality for all of those minutes. So if he can continue to do something like this, it doesn't have to be playing 35, 38 minutes a night, or, or at least it shouldn't be, <laughs> excuse me, but, you know, playing three quarters of a game and playing at a high level for that period and doing it every single game, that only enhances his value. And, and I know, I think I've talked about this when I've been on the Blitz with Andy before, but just, it, it's almost maybe a double-edged sword for Kentucky if you look too far into the future, because the more Chris Livingston puts it together this season, the more moments like this that he puts on tape, 
with his size, with his athleticism. You know, you're starting to think about maybe the NBA draft. I'm starting to, you know, think about some scouts and general managers who might be a little bit more willing to take a flyer on Livingston or maybe think that he's ready for that next level right now because he's putting it all together so well and, and putting so much on, on the court that you'd like to see at the next level. But, but, but certainly I think right now in the isolated moments where he's playing his best basketball, that's the best we've seen from him obviously as a college player, and that will only improve the more he's able to do it on a night-in, night-out basis, which he's put together here over the last week or so. Cam, you talk about uh, about Livingston and, and catching the attention of NBA scouts. I, I think another player that has really caught the attention here recently is Jacob Toppin, and especially when you look at his brother. You know, his brother really didn't develop into the kind of player he was till late in his college career. I, I, I'm seeing Jacob really move up the draft list. I, I think he's got a good shot to be an early second-round pick, don't you? Yeah, and I especially think that's the case just because of how the three-point shot has developed. I mean, I think we can all recall moments during the non-conference season and maybe even the start of SEC play when Jacob Toppin would take a corner three or a wing three, and you maybe hear like a, you know the, the, the small shouts of no from, from the fans inside Rep Arena, <laughs> or you look at the shot and, and think it has no chance of going in. But he's up to, to a 50% three-point shooter in SEC play now, and he's hit some real big shots. I mean, you can think of two or three real timely three-pointers that Toppin has had this season in big moments of games where Kentucky either needed to stifle an opponent's run or to, you know, go up four or five with a minute left to kind of shut the door on things. And you can tell, obviously, just, you know, in his mannerisms, he's playing with energy, he's playing with positivity. He's doing the things that Cal always asked of him to do, especially in the early part of the season. Cal would always refer to it as embracing the car crash, tossing his body in there, grabbing rebounds. He's on a nice little streak now, actually, of out-rebounding Oscar Shibway in, you know, consecutive games and, and even over the course of the last little stretch here, which isn't, you know, an easy feat to do. But when you think about him being more willing to do that kind of rebounding, that kind of gritty play coupled with making a three-point shot at a consistent clip, I think you're, you're more than correct when you say that the, the second round is, is, a, is a perfect landing spot for a Jacob Toppin-type player because you're not taking too much of a risk on him. Second-round draft picks, you know, don't have a, a high necessarily rate of hitting in the NBA, but he has all the intangibles and all the skill set that you would like to mold at the next level, especially if that three-point shot stays consistent. Happy hour out there at Martini Louisville today, four to six, six dollar glasses of wine, seven dollar house martinis. Go check them out out there. They present our friend Cam Drummond from the Herald Leader, Kentucky.com slash sports. You can find all their stuff down there. All right. We're a couple of weeks removed from everyone wanting Cal to take the Texas job. How much credit does he get for how well the team's playing right now? I think you gotta give him a lot of credit, especially considering the, the limited pieces he's had, especially in recent times with, with C.J. Frederick and Saber Wheeler. And, and I know injuries probably shouldn't be used, probably shouldn't be and probably can't be used as an excuse for this Kentucky team in terms of going from number four preseason to, to what they are now. But this is a team that's going to finish with a very respectable SEC record, you know, more likely than not, assuming they take care of business against the teams they should. Uh, they're going to have a double buy in the SEC tournament, so they're going to be starting off right there in the quarters. Um, and, and just the fact that Kentucky has been able to adapt during a season. It's not like they had to take a week off or there was no kind of reset button. It's been a real on-the-fly type thing. And obviously results like 
you know, getting destroyed at Alabama will never sit well with Kentucky fans or losing a home game to South Carolina is inexcusable stuff. But I think if you do, you know, adjust the sliders and adjust what your expectations were for this Kentucky team during the season as compared to it was in preseason, I think you do have to kind of tip your cap to Cal in, in some of the adjustments he's made, and in particular with getting the best out of Chris Livingston. I remember that was such a huge storyline in the early part of the season when Livingston wasn't playing a ton of minutes. The production wasn't there. Cal kind of took a slow, methodical approach to it. And we saw some signs of that paying off in December. But really, it's hit, you know, a completely different stratosphere here in the, in the you know, late January, early February period. So I think Cal should get credit for, for you know, using those buttons and pushing them effectively. The pick-and-roll defense with Oscar Sheboy have gotten better. You know, I'm not going to say it's good, but it's passable at this point. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think Cal gets a lot of credit, or should get a lot of credit for at least adapting on the fly and making sure that this Kentucky team, you know, makes the tournament, doesn't end up becoming a complete failure. That doesn't absolve him from all the blame of not having a team that's, you know, going to be a top 10, top 15 product given what they had returning. But I think it's been a nice coaching job, especially in the vacuum of what they were, you know, post-South Carolina loss. Cam, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more concerned about Wallace. Uh, he, he hasn't shot the ball well for a while. Last night, uh, you know, he had he had as many turnovers as as he did assists. Uh, is he? I, I especially like the one late in the game when he got called for travel. It looked like he was running a playoff tackle. Um, is he is is he under too much pressure, having to run this team right now? Yeah, I, I think definitely the minute load for him is, is way too much right now, and, and part of that is also not having that change of pace option off the bench. You know, Cal will be quick to mention how Xavier Wheeler makes Kentucky different in terms of the way he pushes the ball up the court, the, the way he's maybe a bit more frenetic when he's in the game. And, and that's just a different thing that op- op- opponents um, and, and, you know, opposition coaches will have to have to game plan for. Now they're able to key in on Taysom Wallace a bit more, and especially given the fact that they know Aduciero is not going to play, you know, significant point guard minutes. And, and if he does, things will go poorly for Kentucky like they did at Georgia. The game plan can become a bit more Taysom Wallace-centric, and, and especially for a guy who is battling injuries, you know, the, the, those back spasms that flared up, I think it was in the South Carolina game. That, that's something that he's been fighting through all season and he obviously has a bit more of a of a physical style of play in terms of driving to the rim um you know hustling back and, and trying to make plays as, as a bigger body guy on defense so i think there's been some wear and tear i think part of that is just coaches figuring him out a bit more you mentioned the shooting struggles he, you know he's been in a bit of a slump here so the, the ball distribution's been good but also like the, like the traveling turnover you mentioned there have been some some pretty egregious mistakes he probably should have gotten called for that travel at the end of the Mississippi State game as well. So I think a lot of that pressure will get alleviated off him when Saber Wheeler comes back, not necessarily because of what Wheeler brings to the table specifically, but just because that will take some distractions off him in terms of playing time, in terms of opponents focusing on him, and also the fact that he'll be able to just rest more, quite frankly. Um, but the good thing, too, is that you know Wallace's shooting slump has coincided with other players on the team, Livingston, Toppin, Shibway, figuring out a bit more consistently on offense. So if you're Kentucky, you don't want Case and Wallace obviously shooting 25, 30% from the field every night, but it's coming at a good time just because, you know, two, three other pieces have picked up the scoring load from when it seemed like Case and Wallace is the only player consistently dropping 20 not too long ago. 
Is there much scuttle in Lexington about Brandon Miller playing and Alabama just kind of keeping the team, you know, uh, as a steadied ship, if you will, of, of you know, him just playing and, and, and going about? Or is there more just worrying about what's going on with the, with, with the Cats? Yeah, no, I definitely say it's definitely more of what's, what's going on with Kentucky, especially in the context of just coming off that season sweep over Tennessee and obviously a season sweep over Florida. And I, I implore people as well to visit Kentucky.com and, and read what Ben wrote last night, just kind of putting the Kentucky-Florida rivalry, I guess you could say, into context. It's not much of a rivalry now. Anymore, Kentucky yeah. kind, of, kind of dominated in recent times. Yep. Um, but also, I mean, that is something that a lot of people, I guess, nationally, and, and just, you know, if you're a college basketball fan, you're paying a lot of attention to it. You know, I, I caught the end of that game last night. Obviously a great on-court performance by Miller, but you cannot separate what he did on the court from everything that's happening off the court. You know, Nate Oates' press conference after the game was, was really weird. There was only real one question about why Miller, um, you know, was playing or what, what the process was for that, and then kind of shifted straight to basketball questions, which didn't, you know, quite sit well with me, if I'm being totally honest. And obviously the, the statement that Nate Oates put out right at the beginning of all this earlier this week or, or maybe late last week was, you know, reprehensible and, and not worthy of, of his stature as a head coach at a Power 5 institution. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's something to monitor as well, too, if you think about potential ramifications down the road, you know, how does this affect Alabama from an encore perspective in the SEC tournament and the in-state tournament because this is going to be the storyline and this is going to be the thing that follows them all throughout. And, you know, not to mention if Brandon Miller's availability status changes at any point, that could certainly shake things up. Cam, uh, Saturday, another opportunity for a quad one win at home against Auburn. It looks like Auburn's kind of going the wrong way here the last three or four weeks. Do you expect Kentucky to come out and, uh, and win that game on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, well, we'll see if that even ends up being a quad one game. I think right now Auburn's has slipped outside of the range for that being a quad one game. I want to say they might be 33 in the net now which would make that a quad two opportunity for Kentucky. Um, but nonetheless, that's, you know, another case of Kentucky needing to handle its business at home, especially coming off a great home performance against Tennessee. It'll be a homecoming uh, for, for a couple Auburn players, guys who formerly played in the Commonwealth who are coming back now as part of Bruce Pearl's team. I think most people probably know who Janai Broom is now, <laughs> uh, the guy who was a you know, defensive star at Moorhead State. Uh, was a really good player for them in the Ohio Valley Conference. He's coming back as part of this Auburn team. But yeah, as you mentioned, Auburn kind of sliding in the wrong direction. And this will kind of kick off an important period for Kentucky as well, just in terms of taking care of business against teams that they need to. I, I think it's kind of agreed upon that Kentucky has done enough heavy lifting in terms of quad one games, in terms of beating Tennessee and winning on the road, secure that NCAA tournament spot right now. But all that kind of goes sideways if you mix in a home loss to Auburn with a home loss to Vanderbilt, you know, with a bad loss at Arkansas. So now you just need to stay focused, take care of business, beat Auburn at home, beat Vandy at home, and you're probably into the tournament from then on out. What are your expectations? We'll get you out of here on this. Cam Drummond, C Drummond 97 on Twitter. Uh, expectations last three games. Are they 2-1? and one? Are they 1-2, and 3-0? and oh? What do you think? Uh, I think I'll go 2-1. and one. I think they'll take care of business at home. Uh, you know, I, I, as much as Kentucky has turned things around, and we mentioned maybe not getting too high or, or not coming in too pessimistically after these recent performances, which were important wins, you know, I was still in the building for that Kentucky-Arkansas game. So it's going to take a lot to, uh, sure. you know, shake me or, or convince me otherwise that Kentucky's going to be able to go to Fayetteville and put on a good performance, uh, or at least a winning performance, I should say. 
but but still at that point, I think two and one is perfectly acceptable. Take care of your business at home. You know, show you know maybe you can you can allow Auburn to hang around a bit and pull it out at the end, uh, kind of like they did with Florida yesterday. But you need to you know step on Vandy from from the moment the the ball is tipped. It'd probably be a good atmosphere for that one in particular. Um, you know, win that game, take care of business. And then Arkansas kind of doesn't become as important or, or as critical if you don't slip up at home. You know, you get yourself ready for an SEC tournament. You'd like to be in the position to have the double buy. You know, win a game in that at least, and no questions asked. You're going to one of eight lovely destinations around this country for March Madness. <laughs> at least Cam Drummond, Kentucky.com slash sports for everything that's happening. Down at the Herald Leader, we got him out of having to talk to Andy Sweezy today, so you're welcome. Uh, go oh, find all their stuff. coming on the Blitz later today? <laughs> You've been booted. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Uh, Cam, we will talk to you another time, I'm sure. Again, MartiniLouisville.com. Check out our friends at Martini Italian Bistro, sponsoring the segment every week. We appreciate you jumping in, man. Thanks. Thanks, Cam. All right, Cam Drummond. There you go. Avery just goes. <laughs> in your face. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get, Get, Lou, Gehrig. Here. Get Lou Gehrig out of here. All right. <laughs> and a reminder, first hour of the show brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Tourism, KentuckyTourism.com. Get into, I mean, we're getting to March, people. It's time to start planning your spring and your summer trips around the Commonwealth. Make sure you start with our friends at Kentucky Tourism and KentuckyTourism.com. They'll help you out with all those trips. Maybe you're heading to the track or you're heading out to one of the great state uh, parks that we have here in the state of Kentucky. Start at KentuckyTourism.com. On the other end, we'll have Jay Davis from Cranes Detroit here on ESPN 680, 105.7. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com.